Welcome to this week's episode of Surveillance Report, your central source for all privacy and security news. This episode is featuring ProtonMail, an all-in-one suite regarded as one of the most secure and private email providers, with their calendar service coming soon, which is already in beta. If you end up enjoying their service and want to go for one of their paid accounts, make sure to use our affiliate link, which will help us at no additional cost to you. Thank you to everyone who supports what we do here. To start with companies, Zoom would be our main highlight, but there were a whopping 26 unique articles written about them, so there will be a separate episode made exclusively for Zoom. Facebook was the second highlight with the news. A team called the NSO Group, which was responsible for a 2019 WhatsApp spyware attack, came forward with court documents showing Facebook had attempted to buy a piece of spyware from them called Pegasus in order to keep tabs on iOS users' activities. The data harvested includes messages, photos, login information, and data involving the entire history of the phone's location. This is not only alarming for Facebook, but it's alarming that NSO supposedly only sells these kinds of technologies to sovereign government or government agencies. Quote, quote. So just because you're on iOS doesn't mean you're necessarily safe. In more positive news, Facebook's WhatsApp has imposed a strict message forwarding limit. If a message has been forwarded more than five times, you can only send it to a single chat at a time. This is all being done to help prevent the spread of fake news. I'm not really seeing how this is exactly targeting fake news versus just any news or forwarded message, so we'll have to see if this is successful with their actual goal of doing this. And finally, Facebook mobile location data has been used to help health researchers analyze the effectiveness of social distancing in relation to the coronavirus. Of course, no users opted into this, and of course, Facebook said the data is anonymized, which is more or less impossible since, well, location data is in itself identifiable data. This brings up a lot of interesting questions and proves a good point that once a company gathers your data, it's really their decision to do what they want with it. Facebook could share this with anyone they want, and you really wouldn't have any say in the matter. So just think about that next time you sign up for a service. Moving on to our next big company, we have Apple. Apple is supposedly working on improving the iCloud Keychain Password Manager on iOS. What I'm about to say is based on an early build of iOS 14, so definitely take this with a grain of salt until it's more or less official. Users will be warned about reused passwords to avoid using the same password across multiple sites, and there's a new method to save two-factor authentication passwords. These were the two major changes covered, and it's important to mention this is obviously free for Apple users. It's difficult to recommend this over open source options like KeePass and Bitwarden, but for the typical user, it's good to see Apple will be warning them about things like reused passwords, although I'm not sure I can recommend two-factor authentication within a password manager as, well, it's supposed to be something you know with something you have, and if they're both in the same location, you're kind of breaking the purpose of two-factor authentication. Apple, as well as Google, have also introduced a Bluetooth-based COVID-19 tracing platform that could alert people if they're being exposed to coronavirus. This will be done in two phases. The first phase starts with an API in mid-May to make sure iOS and Android apps can trace users regardless of their OS, but this will be restricted to official apps released by public health authorities on the App Store and Google Play Store. During this phase, you'll need to have one of those apps to participate in the program. The second phase is adding this API and the tracking directly as a core iOS and Android feature. 
The goal is for this to be an opt-in program and everything would be automatically handled for you. I think it's pretty obvious the first phase isn't really meant to be truly an effective prevention of the coronavirus spread. First, I mean, this will be done in mid-May, whereas the peak of the virus, at least in the US, is supposed to be happening, like, right now. Second, it requires users to go out of their way to download an application and opt into the program. I just really don't see this being effective. Phase 2 makes this easier for users to opt in and could be a little bit more effective, but it's months away from ever seeing the light of day, and if anything, this API is most likely going to be used for something else, either some other health concern or if you want tinfoil hats, similar technology will be used by these companies for a great grip on surveillance. On a similar topic, kind of like Facebook, Google is using location data gathered from smartphones to help officials understand the changes in people's movements during the COVID-19 pandemic. These are public reports you can view online, and I think overall share similar concerns to Facebook's sharing of location data. You can view all of this in the sources as well. Google has also been sued by two children represented by a father for collecting students' biometric data through their educational tools. The allegation is Google's biometric data collection through their education suite violates Illinois, the state they're from, Biometric Information Privacy Act, as well as COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Unfortunately, this is over $1,000 for each member of the class, or $5,000 for each violation committed, so this is seriously just a penny in the bucket for Google. I wish it was like a Dr. Evil $10 billion. To finish Google's news, they have officially come out and backed Apple's proposal to standardize the format of SMS codes for two-factor authentication. It's good they're standardizing this to add some additional functionality and make it easier for developers to build off of this, but overall we should just be ditching SMS two-factor authentication altogether. It is terrible for security and inferior to app-based OTP codes. Firefox is going to be our next company. Supposedly, the way Firefox stores cached data resulted in non-public information from Twitter being stored in the browser's cache. The main concern would be if you downloaded your Twitter data on a public machine and someone else used that browser after you logged out. The main takeaway here is to just avoid public machines altogether. You don't know who touched it before you, who's going to touch it after you, and there's not many ways you can ensure what you're doing is remaining private since you don't have control of the computer. In more positive news, Firefox 76 will have an option to enforce HTTPS-only connections, similar to HTTPS Everywhere. This will not be a default at first, but still a great feature to have. In mixed news, there's a new scheduled telemetry task in Firefox 75 that measures changes in default browser settings. This can be disabled with all other Firefox telemetry, so remember to do that if you're going for max privacy inside of Firefox. This was really surprising. Microsoft Edge has officially taken over Firefox's number two spot of most popular browsers. We're talking a difference of about half a percent, but still kind of scary to see Firefox drop to third place to a, let's be honest, more or less meme browser, even with their dramatic recent improvements after they moved to Chromium. To finish out Firefox, they now have a new permanent CEO, Mitchell Baker, who has been the interim CEO, but is now official. Our next company is Marriott, who suffered a data breach impacting 5.2 million hotel guests. This is the same Marriott who had 383 million hotel guests in November of 2019 breached as well. 
The information was accessed because a hacker had the login credentials of two employees from one of its franchise properties. The breach involved customer contact information, loyalty account information, personal details, and previous rooming preferences. In their official statement, of course, the only recourse <laughs> they have is offering a free year of experience identity monitoring software to tell you, well, about the Marriott breach you just experienced. It sounds like Marriott has some pretty serious cybersecurity issues to work out, so if you're concerned about this, I'd very much avoid them since their track record has been pretty bad the last year. Microsoft is next. They have revealed a pretty serious zero-day vulnerability in Windows 7, and they are refusing to patch it, making the fix upgrading to Windows 10. There are a couple workarounds to prevent this from happening, um, so check out the source to view those, but the only surefire way to prevent this is by upgrading to Windows 10, which is very ridiculous on Microsoft's part for leaving people running older software out of such a serious patch. They're not total screw-ups, though, since they and university researchers open-sourced an AI object detector called Fair Multi-Object Tracking. Good on any company to open-source software, so we should be, as always, applauding this. Now we have our last few companies. I'll be ripping through these a bit quicker. 42 million Iranian Telegram, the messenger, user IDs and phone numbers leaked online from an unofficial fork of Telegram since Telegram is blocked in Iran, forcing people to use this unofficial version. An Italian email provider, email.it, confirmed a security breach involving 600,000 users. Twitter has notified its users outside the EU that they are sharing more data with advertisers and there's no way to disable this with mobile app ads measurements. Content delivery networks, or CDNs, like Cloudflare are joining an internet security effort called Manners to help secure the internet. Cloudflare has also fully dumped Google's reCAPTCHA for hCAPTCHA for not only privacy and availability, but also cost benefits. I'm most excited to hopefully get easier CAPTCHAs using VPNs and Tor. We'll see if that's the case. Sandboxy, the Sophos sandboxing program for Windows, has been made open source. Signal has spoken out against the US Earnet Act, threatening to leave the US market if it's passed. I'd recommend reading into the US Earnet Act and taking action against it. The EFF is a great resource for all of this. Tails OS has added support for Secure Boot, and the company Taplock, a maker of smart locks, has been issued a complaint from the FTC saying they are misrepresenting themselves as both secure and tested, which they say neither are true, which is pretty savage. And I hope people don't rely on a smart lock to keep anything truly safe. That wraps up company news for the week. Research begins with the ACLU white paper covering the limits of location tracking during the COVID-19 pandemic. It aims to offer insight into the technology, and there's no easy way to summarize it, so I'd recommend going into the sources and reading the paper for yourself. I'd say it covers the issue between health versus privacy very well. Coronavirus was a highlight in more research covering phishing attacks related to the new financial relief being offered by the US government, so that $1,200 we're supposed to be getting, you know, any day now. Of course, people are using this as an opportunity for phishing. Are you using an Apple device and think you're ultra secure? Well, this may or may not shock you since a researcher gained unauthorized camera access on both iOS and macOS affecting Safari version 13.0.4. Normally, the security model for the camera is very secure since each app needs explicit camera permissions, but the exception to this is Apple's own apps get camera access for free. 
This exploit used Media Devices Web API, which allows websites to utilize Safari's permissions to access the camera directly, and through some clever workarounds on previous site access history and some evil JavaScript, this was exploitable to get direct access to the cameras without user awareness. I very much simplified this, I'd look at the sources, it's pretty simple to follow, and it's a very, very cool attack. A team has uncovered a long-running attack campaign infecting Windows machines running MSSQL servers. This has been happening since mid-2018, and it's very widespread, affecting several countries with two to 3,000 daily infections. Like the last article, I'd read the source on this as well. Very interesting stuff. A research study was done evaluating fingerprint cloning, and they achieved an 80% success rate while using fake fingerprints. This was a low-budget project using 3D printed molds, and luckily they didn't find a single approach to bypass all biometric methods. It took them a lot of grueling work to exploit individual methods, but they warn in their own research that although biometrics may protect the standard user, it should never be relied on to stop state actors. Another very cool source I recommend you read for more information. And finally, Princeton University researchers a couple months ago found several companies like Amazon, PayPal, Venmo, Blizzard, Adobe, eBay, Snapchat, and Yahoo, and more actually, that allowed SIM swappers to hijack accounts way too easily. The source is mostly a follow-up to that, as only a few of the companies have fixed this, such as Adobe, Blizzard, eBay, Microsoft, and Snapchat. The others, well, still haven't done anything about it. PayPal and Venmo specifically work with money and still haven't been fixed, so take that as you will. The next category of the week is politics, starting with the US. The state of Washington has legalized restricted use of facial recognition technology. This would be used to locate or identify missing persons, identify deceased persons, subjects of Amber Alerts, and other possible crime victims for the purposes of, quote, keeping the public safe. The Microsoft president praised this in a blog post, and Microsoft is uh, coincidentally based out of Washington, so I'll let you all make some theories about this one. The FCC has announced they will require phone carriers to authenticate calls by June 2021 to help combat robocalls. This sounds great, because let me tell you, I am so freaking sick of getting robocalls, but unfortunately this isn't just a magic solution like it seems to be. It's just a protocol that will enable carriers to be able to take action against robocallers and requires authorization, kind of like an SSL certificate, but for robocallers. The way I see it, this is essentially giving control to carriers to decide what is and is not trusted, actually taking away some user freedom here. Now the details for this are very gray since this is very early on, but I do think it's important for us to question how beneficial this could really be for ourselves. In international news, the personal details of the entire country of Georgia was published online, even the deceased citizens. This included full names, home addresses, date of birth, ID numbers, and mobile phone numbers. Absolutely just crazy. For some perspective, imagine everyone in your country had their information leaked and you could just search for anyone's ID number, phone number, and home address. Just like that. I know we have people searching sites, which is the closest we have to this, but this is like a whole next step up. It's just absolutely crazy. Google revealed that an elite spy group likely based out of South Korea was using five zero days to hack North Koreans. This is described as an elegant and very thoughtful attack using mostly Internet Explorer. More reasons to avoid that. I'd read this source because it really shows the elegance of the attack and how, quote, second tier countries 
whatever this means in the hacking community, are still very capable against the big dogs like Russia, China, and the US. The rest of our international news is all about coronavirus, and I'm going to go through it quickly, so check the sources for more in-depth details. South Korea launched wristbands for those breaking quarantine by leaving their phone at home. It is literally a house arrest bracelet. Singapore says it will make its contact tracing tech open source to all developers, which I think we can all agree is a step in the right direction. Moscow is hopping on board with their own surveillance app to track residents during the coronavirus lockdown. This is mandatory, and if you don't have a device as your excuse, you will be supplied a device. Moscow residents will be obligated to register for a government-issued QR code with personal data that Russians must present on their phone or carry a printout to present to police when requested. Absolutely spooky stuff. And we're not done. Italy is using drones to take people's temperature, commanding them to go home, and also issue fines. Absolutely surreal things I would have never guessed were happening at least for another decade. I will get more into this shortly. Italy also is working on their own tracing app as well, so there's that. And finally, some actual positive news about all of this. The EU has created uh, semi-positive news. The EU has created an initiative sharing code for an app designed to warn people, supposedly without violating their privacy, when to self-isolate. It will be fully compliant with GDPR, uses Bluetooth pings with a decentralized method, and to be honest, this sounds like our best bet so far, so let's root for this one. Now, I do want to talk about this. For those who didn't see Edward Snowden discussing the privacy and surveillance implications of what's happening right before our eyes, well, check out the sources and just listen to what he says. I think it's very eye-opening. I'd like you listening to really understand that the way we act and respond to this crisis can heavily impact the way our world works for the future. We can't let fear get in the way of our basic rights. I think we can all agree we need to do everything we can to stop the virus. It's very important that we stop this as soon as possible, but that's also no reason to act in ways that will dramatically set human rights back for decades or even longer, or if you believe that's the case at least, which I do. Personally, I see this kind of like 9-11 in the US at least. It was a very serious and fearful time for our country. We acted irrationally by implementing some of the most invasive surveillance humans have ever seen, and it's still impacting us to this day. Fear is very effective. Corona is fearful. There are so many things we need to make sure we do properly to ensure the best outcome for everyone in the long run. I have to personally draw a line on home arrest bracelets. That was kind of the point where I stopped and went, okay, I think this has gone too far. So let's just all really think about what pushes our boundaries. I think no matter what happens in the world, we need to make sure that we have our boundaries and what we're okay with. Yeah, yeah. And finally, we're gonna finish with our misfits. San Francisco's airport suffered a cyber attack which likely stole Windows login credentials. SFO warned impacted users to change their Windows passwords. This seemed to only affect Internet Explorer, of course, and this reveals a pretty sophisticated and impressive attack. The FBI, this is not a joke by the way, made an at-home exercise application that, just like a meme would read, requests your location and other permissions when you install it. I, I really, I can't make this up. This is advertised as a way to promote fitness for people stuck at home during the outbreak. It's time to ask the real question here. If it's for at-home usage, why does it request your location on installation? Hmm. Luckily, the FBI has calmed our fears because it promised us it will collect information, but no identifiable information, which as we know is like, not really possible. 
My theory is there's a fitness fanatic murderer that the FBI is after, and this is their plan to catch them, but we'll see. We'll see if that's accurate. The last, but definitely not the least, is a smart toilet that has been made that can identify users by their, and I'm quoting, this is not my words, anal print, and even detect diseases from your anal print. This is a current prototype that should be ready by the end of the year. Let me tell you right now, Americans are scared enough of the bidet. I really hope they're equally scared of this. It even has a fingerprint scanner on the lever. And no, this is not a joke. Check out the sources for the images and schematics. Seriously, people, not everything needs to be a smart device. And this is, I think, a great example of smart going too far. I mean, I, I just can't. I couldn't do this. There's no way. And what if your grooming changes periodically? Does it take that into consideration? Like, these are the real questions we need to be asking. How smart is this thing? And that, my friends, was the surveillance report. Very interesting week from anal prints all the way to home arrest bracelets and thermal drones, and let's not forget Zoom. Zoom, again, will be its own partial episode because it has such a crazy story and so many issues that would make this episode probably twice as long as it already is. I want to once again mention ProtonMail. I highly recommend it for people looking for an email provider that's going to offer you a much more private experience than Gmail. They even have a free account, which is what I personally use, and you could go for the paid options as well. I, I haven't seen anything that makes encryption as easy to use, and everyone that I send encrypted email to always says, wow, that's really cool, and they normally hop on board with ProtonMail as well. Again, if you want to open a ProtonMail account, please use our links to help support these episodes. It's what keeps them free and coming. I also want to mention our communities. You can view them all in the description. We do a lot of helping for newbies to the privacy and security world, as well as some more advanced discussions. It's great for everyone. Finally, if you enjoyed this, give it a like if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to either the YouTube channel or the podcast, wherever you're from. It's also appreciated if you share it to spread not only us, but the important underreported news so many more people need to be watching in our modern day issues that we're facing. Thank you for listening, everyone, and have a great day. Stay safe out there. I wish you all the best.